I've been uh, tackling what I would call a major construction project at our house this past week, and I, I've had a friend to, to help me with a little bit of the work, but what we're doing is we're installing an in-ground basketball goal uh, on our driveway, because here's the way that I look at it. We'll never have enough money to pay for college, and so my kids don't realize it, but we will start free throws this week. I mean, every day, hundreds of free throws, uh, getting them ready uh, for this college scholarship hopefully one day, but we've, I mean, the, the steps, I mean, again, just the size of this project has been a little challenging for me because it started with a uh, 28 inches deep by 24 inches round hole and about a half a ton of concrete, all right, that, that went into uh, this hole and creating this sleeve. And then what, what's lying on my ground right now is the steel pole assembly. It's two pieces uh, bolted together. And then because it's a hollow pole, uh, I had to, with a garden shovel, scoop in about another 100 pounds of concrete on Friday. And, well, it's all cured, at least I, I hope it is. And, and so the plan is uh, that later on today to raise this pole into place. And, well, I just have to tell you that I'm a little nervous. Like, I'm a little nervous. I, I, even, I even, I did it. It was included in my prayer last night that God, that it, please, please let it not be crooked and let it stand straight and, and be level and, and all of these things. And, well, you can expect a worldwide announcement on Twitter later this evening uh, to uh, let you know uh, how it's going. But uh, if you're new today, we've been reading through the story together. We've been reading through the Bible. That's the goal in 2013. And, and talking about it here on, on Sunday mornings. And for the past few months, we've been looking and studying uh, one major story after another uh, in the Bible. Stories like God's work in creation, uh, the faith of an elderly couple in Abraham and Sarah. Uh, we've seen Joseph in prison in Egypt and the exodus of the Israelites uh, from Egypt, from slavery. Uh, there's all of the wandering in the wilderness day after day, month after month of wandering. Uh, there's the eventual arrival in the promised land of God's people. Uh, and then you've got the leadership of God's men and women along the way and people like Joshua and Moses and the judges and even all of the stories of how God can use anyone. I mean, how he can use people like Rahab and Ruth and Boaz and Naomi and even a young boy named Samuel, uh, if you were here this past week. And as we've read through this story, as we've read through the Bible up to this point, it's just been one story after another, one example of after another of how big and how great our God is. I mean, that's really the point of the story. It's about how big he is and how great he is. And I mean, that matters today. I mean, that's got to matter to people like you and me. I mean, we have to embrace stuff like this because when you look at something in your life and you want to say, you know, it, it, it's too late, there is no hope. I mean, our God says, no, I'm, I'm about ready to do some of my best work in you. Or when we look at some of the people in and around our lives, I mean, people that we're love or that we're married to, maybe children or something, and you've seen how they've messed up and you want to say, you know, there, there is no hope for them. There is no shot. I mean, God just says, you know, you might be surprised. I mean, I just want you to watch how I put their lives uh, back together. Or we'll look at our own lives and we'll look into, you know, our own heart and, and we'll look into our past and maybe some of the things that are in our present and we'll say, you know, I'm insignificant. I mean, there's no way that God could ever use someone like me. And we just hear God say, oh, you might be surprised. I mean, I, I'm getting ready. I, I mean, I can use, I, I can change everything with even someone like you. And so as we've studied the story together, if there's one thing I've learned, that is that our God is more than capable 
of doing, well, more than anything I could ever think of, more than anything I could ever imagine. I mean, he's bigger and greater uh, than we realize. But we're in chapter 11 of the story today, uh, if you've been following along in the story book. And it's the chapter titled Shepherd to King. And, and we're talking about David. And uh, we're going we're gonna to look at his life again next week because when you think about it, there are just so many things that we could talk about in the life of David. And, and today I want to talk with you about one of the most familiar stories uh, in all of the Bible, really. In fact, this story is so familiar that if you're here today and you wouldn't call yourself a church-going sort of a person, you probably know this story. You've, you've heard some bits and pieces of this story along the way because we're going to look today at the story of David and Goliath. And, and if you've got a Bible and you want to follow along with us, uh, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17. Uh, we're going to spend all of our time in, in this particular book today, in that particular chapter, uh, but we will have the verses on the screen too uh, so that you can follow along. But our story today, uh, it begins with a battle and a battle between two groups of people. On the one side, you have the Israelites. These are God's people. And on the other side, you have the enemy, uh, this nation referred to as the Philistines. And the location for this particular battle is a valley called Elah. And so if you would, what I want you to try and do is imagine with me what it was like for these two armies to be camped out on opposing sides of this valley, anticipating a battle to be fought in the space between them. And picking it up in 1 Samuel chapter 17, uh, starting in verse 4, it says this, a champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits and a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. On his legs, he wore bronze greaves and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield bearer went ahead of him. And so what I want to do today is uh, with the help of uh, some of our friends, I I wanted to give you a little perspective of this man referred to as Goliath. Now, uh, I don't know how your conversion is or you're with something like cubits, uh, but what scholars believe is that Goliath was somewhere around nine feet, nine inches tall. And as I was studying this past week, some said it could have been as, as little as nine feet. It could have been as much as 11 feet but that he wore this coat of armor that was around 5,000 shekels, which is about 125 pounds. And then he carried this spear. And we get a very specific detail in these verses here that the iron point alone on this spear uh, weighs something like 600 shekels, which is about 15 pounds. All right, and so you get a little bit of an idea. And I, I think I'm sort of a tall guy at six foot two, but... But I mean, here's Goliath. It's like, what's up, Goliath? You know, at nine feet, nine inches. And and why not? I mean, you look at the NBA today and we've seen guys like Yao Ming and Shaquille O'Neal and Dwight Howard and George Murison. If you go back a little bit, I mean, can you imagine trying to post a guy like this up or or trying to set a screen on this guy or something? I mean, you know, he's, he's, well, he's a big guy. And, And we'll put him back up after the service if you want to get your picture taken with him. For a small donation, of course, uh, uh, you get your picture taken with Goliath today. But the point is this, he's huge. I mean, he's a beastly sword of a man and a, a warrior of warriors, the Bible calls him. And on this day, he comes out of the Philistine camp and he walks out on the battlefield ready to taunt the Israelites. And in verse 8, it says, Goliath stood and shouted, why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and are you not the servants of Saul? 
Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he's able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. And then the Philistines said, this day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. Now that word defy there, uh, it means to be broken or it means to pour out obscenities. You know, and then Goliath says, choose a man and let's fight each other. Now in this day, it wasn't uncommon for two nations to do, to settle their battle or their dispute with a one-on-one, like just a, you choose your best guy, we'll choose our best guy, put them in the middle together, whoever wins, well, that nation wins, and, and we'll move on. It, it's just that simple. Well, there's one problem for Israel. I mean, the Philistines have a ringer, all right? And everybody knows this guy's going number one in the draft at the end of the season, all right? I mean, they, they've got a ringer on their hands, and so this is the... The problem for Israel, and so in verse 11, it says, On hearing the Philistines' words, uh, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Now, that word dismayed means broken or terrified. And, and the irony for Israel is this, and if you were here last week, they've got King Saul. And he's supposed to be this strong and valiant warrior because he's the king. And he's, he's got some of the best of the best soldiers around him because of his position. And it's not like the Israelites hadn't defeated the Philistines many times before either, but today's not like one of those days. I mean, today's different. Because today, the Philistines brought Goliath. And he's the warrior among warriors. And and for King Saul and all the people of Israel, I mean, just one look at this giant, and they knew that there is no way that you ever defeat a giant like that. And, and for every guy lined up on the Israelite side of this battle, I mean, they are just overwhelmed at the thought of certain death, uh, defeat, humiliation. I mean, whatever it is, whatever you want to call it. And Well, here's the truth. In our lives and in your life, I mean, every one of us at some point or another, you're, you're going to face a giant like this. And so my question for you today is this one. What's your Goliath? Uh, what's that giant in your life? I mean, what's that one thing you probably really don't want to talk about? And you really don't want to talk about that one thing or even call it out because you know that you can't defeat it. I mean, you can't bring something like that down. I mean, it's just become so much a part of your life. You've tried to overcome it only to lose over and over again. What's your Goliath? I mean, for some of you, maybe your Goliath, maybe it's an addiction. And it's addiction to something like painkillers or to illegal drugs or to alcohol. And I mean, you've tried to defeat it so many times and you can't and you've tried to and you've failed over and over again. And so you've, you've just basically given up hope that, there's, that it's even possible. Maybe your giant is something like a sexual addiction. And I know this is true for men more than women, but, but it affects women too. And, and here's the thing, men. I mean, the, the challenge of something like this is you might even say, I'm happily married. But you just know what it's like to go up against a giant like this. And because with all of the sex on TV and all of the sex on, on the Internet today, and then you've got the challenges of the way that some women dress at a time of the year like this. I mean, it doesn't take long before you realize how difficult it is to overcome a giant like this in your life. Maybe your Goliath is everything that's wrong in your marriage right now. Uh, it's certainly not what you would hope for, and, and it's only getting more and more complicated as the days pass. And, and so maybe you've just resigned yourself to believing that it ever could change because he's not ever going to change or she's not ever going to change. Maybe your Goliath is years and years of poor financial choices. 
and now all you have is this dead and this history and you can't seem to escape the consequences. Maybe your giant is final exams and they start tomorrow. And you know you shouldn't be here because you probably ought to be back studying right now for those exams because they're coming. Maybe your, your Goliath is anxiety. Maybe, maybe your Goliath is just some of the challenges in your mind and some of the things that you think about. I mean, maybe it's depression or fear. Maybe it's a health issue. Maybe it's the scars from something in the past or hurt or rejection. Any of these could be your Goliath. Now, some of you might be having a problem identifying the Goliath in your life because the truth is that the Goliath has become such a fixed part of your life that you don't know anything differently. Whatever the Goliath is for you, if it's your giant, I just think the more you think about it, you can see how easily it affects and influences everything that you do and the way that you live. But here's what's interesting. And here's what's interesting about this showdown between the Philistines and the Israelites. If you read the text for yourself, each day for 40 days, this giant Goliath would walk out to the battle lines and taunt the people of Israel. 40 days. 40 days straight. The same story over and over again. The men of Israel, they would hear these taunts and they would just run. I mean, paralyzed in fear at the thought of facing a giant like Goliath. And so on the one hand, you've got these men dressed, these men that supposedly look like soldiers. I mean, they've dressed in a way to give you the impression that they're ready for battle. And for you and me, we might put on a face every once in a while and make it even sound like we're ready to take on the giant or the Goliath in our lives. But the truth is that it is so big and you are so broken and you feel so helpless that you know that you've got no intention of ever taking on your Goliath because honestly, You don't even know where you would begin. But can I say this? Today could change all of that for you. Because by the power of God and by faith in the one who is greater than any of us could ever possibly imagine, our God can overcome anything and everything in your life. And he is greater than your Goliath. He's greater than your giant. And today could be the day that once and for all the battle finally turns for you. Because this is the point in the story where we meet a teenage boy by the name of David. And and if you know the story of David and the story of his family at all, uh, you know that David was the baby in the family. Uh, His father was a guy by the name of Jesse. And Jesse had seven sons. And and David was the youngest. And, And while three of David's brothers, his older brothers, were off at this battle in Elah, David stayed behind because his job was to babysit uh, the family's herd uh, of sheep. And and so one day Jesse called David in uh, from the fields and and he basically put a care package together for his boys. He said, hey, David, I want you to take this to Elah, to your brothers, give it to them, check in to see how they're doing, and then come back and, and give me a report. And I can only imagine that David was probably excited for a change of scenery. And so he takes off for Elah. And what we know is that he arrives at about the time the armies would line up for their daily taunts. And I just think that it's at this point where we can really gain some things. We can learn some things from from the faith of David and from his actions and from the words he chooses. It's kind of a strategy of sorts for you and me and what it means to take on the personal giants, the personal Goliaths in our life. And the first thing we see comes right out of verse 23. It says, as he was talking with them, as David was talking to his brothers and these men on the Israelite side of the camp, the Goliath, the Philistine champion, here he is from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance, and David heard it. And whenever the Israelites saw the men, the man, they all fled from him in great fear. Now, remember, this is day 41. 
Okay, over a month now, this same drill every day. Here are these daily attacks by Goliath. And what, when the Israelites heard from Goliath, what did they do? They ran. They ran in fear. But I want you to see what David did, because what did David do? The scriptures say that he heard them. And in your notes, as you think about your personal Goliath and what it means for you and for the giant in your life right now, I just think one thing that we need to see is that you need to be ready to identify the lies, right, to, to hear them. I mean, you need to be able to identify the lies that you've been hearing and recognize those lies for exactly what they are. They're lies. I mean, that's what they are. Because here's the thing, if you've got a giant like this in your life, then that giant is like most giants. He's full of lies. And one of the greatest ways to identify a lie in your life is to know the truth because when you know the truth, you're more easily able to recognize those lies. And so look at David's response to the lies In verse 26, it says, David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for this, for for the man who kills this Philistine? I wonder if he's seen Goliath yet. Maybe he's just heard him and removes this disgrace from Israel. And then he says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Hey, what I basically want you to see from this is David's mad. He's a little frustrated that this is happening. I mean, he's like, who is this guy? I mean, does he know who he's messing with? Like, does he know who our God is and what our God is capable of? I mean, does he realize who this one is that we serve? And I mean, he's just calling out these lies. And I want to ask you today, what, what are those lies that you've been hearing? I mean, what are the lies that come from the mouth of your giant? I mean, maybe it's the lie that you'll never have a great marriage. I mean, this is just the way it is and that it will be. And if you've been hearing that lie, um, I've got news for you. Marriage is God's idea, all right? And if you're holding out this hope and holding this faith that things can be different and things can change, God's got your back on this one because God can put any marriage back together. And our God, you know, he, he doesn't want any marriage to fail. I mean, maybe the lie for you is that your spouse will never share the same faith that you have in God. Well, I can tell you that God can change any heart. He can change any life. And that's why Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says, He doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants everyone to come to repentance. And He is slow, and He is patient, and He is willing uh, to bring anyone back to Him. I mean, maybe the lie for you is that you're all alone. And no one will ever quite understand you. Well, Deuteronomy chapter 31 verse 6 promises that our God will never leave you and he will never forsake you. That there has never been a day in your life where he has been absent from you. And he is so familiar with you that the Bible says he has ordained every single day of your life. And he can even count the number of hairs on your head. Or maybe it's the lie that the world is falling apart right now. Even as you read the news, even as you read the stories uh, on the internet. But it's not falling apart. And you know why? Because our God reigns. I mean, this is his story. He has written every single day of the story and never lost control. I mean, maybe the lies that you've been hearing in your life are so self-destructive. You know, lies like you're pathetic, you're a failure, you're a mess up. There is no chance for you. I want to tell you today that they are lies. They are all lies. Because the Bible says that Satan is a deceiver. 
And he is the one who is disguised as your giant. He is behind that giant. And the Bible says that he's the father of lies. And the truth for you and me as followers of Jesus Christ is that our God is greater than anything you can imagine. And he is more than capable of overcoming anything and anything in your life. And it's why he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for you and to die for me so that we could have life. And as the Bible says, have an abundance of life even now. And it's the promise of God. It's our promise from God. And so if you have been buying into this lie that you're not good enough, that you've messed up way too many times, that he could never forgive you or love you, then I would love to introduce you to my Savior, Jesus, because Jesus changes all of it. And his love and his forgiveness are greater than any sin. And he offers his love and his forgiveness and strength to all who will receive it. And he can change your life and he can change your life even beginning today if you will trust him, if you will surrender your life to him. And the beauty... The beauty of trusting your life uh, with God, even, you know, as a follower of Jesus today, is it means that you are a child of God. And that just simply means that all of the rights and privileges come with a designation like that. That he loves us, that he will never forsake us, that he is always with us, that his strength is perfect, you know, that I can do all things through Jesus Christ who gives me strength. And when you do that, when you call out those lies in your life, it's so important that you and I, that we embrace that truth. That's why I'm encouraging you to read your Bibles because you need to know that truth for your own life and to be able to pull from that truth because that truth can change everything. And it's only the truth of Jesus Christ that can set you free. So let's look at what David does. You know, he hears these taunts of Goliath and it's obvious to everyone around that this teenage boy is a little offended by what's going on. And and David quickly discovers that no one from Israel's camp is brave enough to take on Goliath. And so look at what David says to King Saul in, in verse 32. It says, David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant, a teenage boy, remember, will go and fight him. And so we see that David's ready to roll. All right, now he's willing to take on the giant all by himself. I mean, if no one else is willing to do it, David will do it. But get ready, because there's something else that I want you to see here, and that is that when you, when you make a decision to stand up to your Goliath, when you make a decision to go up against that giant in your life, well, it leads us to another piece of the strategy that we would do well to remember, and that is that it's so important to consider the influences around you right now. I mean, it's just to be mindful of who, who are those people that are speaking into your life right now and what are those things that they're saying? Because right after David tells Saul that he'll fight, I mean, look at what this so-called brave warrior king of Israel says in verse 33. King Saul replied, you're not able to. You're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man. And he has been a warrior from his youth. And here's why I think this is so important. I mean, maybe whether you know it or not, some of you have some so-called friends in your life right now. Parents. Or maybe a spouse that doesn't share the same faith that you do. And more than you realize, it's that ongoing negativity and lack of faith that is influencing you and your faith and even your willingness to believe in God. And so some of you right now, you can hear something like this and you can already hear those things. You can already hear those things that they'll say like, you know what, just accept it. It's just who you are. And I mean, you're, you're never going to be able to defeat something like this. I mean, you can't get around it. Or maybe you're, maybe you're hearing things like, you know, not every marriage makes it. People divorce. 
I mean, it, you can move on. I mean, there, there's a chance that there's someone else out for you, you know, somebody that you're better designed for. And so just over time, I mean, don't we just see how those words and that negativity and that influence can just kind of eat away in your confidence and most importantly, your confidence in Christ and, and in God. And if it's someone you know, and if it's someone that you love and they're influencing you in this way, I mean, I just know that it makes it so difficult. And I'm not in any way suggesting that you leave. And I'm not in any way suggesting that you abandon them or that you can even get away from that influence if you wanted to. But just as we all need to identify those lies we're so quick to believe, I think we need to at least be mindful of those people that are speaking into the li- our lives and the influence that we allow them to have over us. And that's why it's important to have the right people in your life. You know, that's why it's so important to get involved in a community like Genesis where you can get around, you know, others and, and, and enjoy for yourself some of the benefits of getting plugged into something like a connection group. You know, a connection group where you can be with other people who can support you and pray for you and, and hold you accountable in, in various things. A, a place where you could talk through the ups and downs of life with, with people. I mean, we all need relationships and we all need those people in our lives that can help us call out and identify the lies so that we can embrace the truth and the truth of Jesus Christ. And like David, uh, we need to be able to look to God and remember his work in our lives. I mean, our, our greatest influence, your greatest influence will always be found in God and through his word. And that means even at times looking back on your life so that you can see for yourself and recount all of those times that God has been faithful and how he has provided for you along the way. And that's what David did. I mean, right after David hears these discouraging words from Saul, David just starts recalling those stories, those incredible stories of how God showed up on his behalf over and over again, even when he was out tending sheep in the fields. In verse 37, you know, he says to Saul, hey, the Lord rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear. I mean, he basically says, why can't he rescue me from the Philistines? I mean, you know, just, hey, he did it before. I mean, why wouldn't I believe that he wouldn't show up on my behalf on this particular occasion? You know, as I think about one of my Goliaths, uh, as I think about kind of that giant in my life, I, uh, I, I think it just could be summed up with the words uh, self-confidence. And at times for me, it's just that lack of self-confidence and every area of my life, as a husband, as a parent, uh, as, a, as a pastor today, especially as a pastor at times, you know, uh, to look at a, a growing church and wonder, you know, hey, at, at, at some point here, um, I'm disqualified or unqualified to do something like this. And, you know, I, I try and bear the responsibility, even though I don't have to make all the decisions, but at some point, is this greater than I am? And, well, the truth is, yeah, all the time, all along the way. And uh, even at times with preaching, you know, especially on Saturday nights, it's like, do I have anything to say worthwhile for tomorrow? And then you look at the calendar because Sunday comes around every single week. It never goes away. And, you know, looking out over the next year, it's like, what am I going to talk about? Are we going to run out of things to talk about? I, I disqualify myself all the time. It's just this challenge of, of self-confidence. And I remember it was a little about a month or so ago, I was invited to speak on a panel over at Anderson University, uh, and it was a panel specifically designed for seniors to come in and kind of talk about transitions and big decisions that will come up in the future. And, and so I sat on this panel with about three or four other people, and uh, 
I quickly figured out that I was the old guy on the panel. Like, that's why I got the invite. It's like, we need one old guy. How about Paul Mumo? We'll bring him over because everyone else was so much younger uh, than I am. And, and so different questions would come up. And, and I got the one question that talked about transitions because I had moved the most. I'm the oldest guy and can't keep a job or something. But uh, so uh, I had the opportunity to tell my story of coming to Anderson from Illinois and then you know, graduated and worked there for a while. And then my family, we went and served at a church in Michigan for five years. And, and then I was telling the story of going from there to Louisville to serve at a church for three years. And now having served at Genesis for almost five years, it was just really interesting for me because even as these words were coming out of my mouth, I really felt like God was starting to do a work in my heart and he was doing a work in my spirit. And as I was sharing those words, it's almost like he was kind of whispering to me, hey, Paul, I've I've been responsible for every single step. I've ordained each one. My plan. My purpose for you and for your life all along the way. And I just really felt like God said, Paul, it's not so much a confidence. It's not like you need more confidence right now, but what you need is more of me. You need more of me in your life because you will never be qualified for anything that I call you. I do that work in you, and, it, and it's about more of God, and, and that's what David is seeing here too. And you may not realize it or not, but you've got the work of God written all over your life. I mean, he's been there all along the way. I mean, if you're here today and you've got a pulse and you're still breathing, uh, he has a purpose for you. He's got a plan for your life, and, and he's been there all along the way. And that's not to say that we don't all wander off from time to times and in our rebellion. I mean, we sin and we rebel, and we're forced to live with the consequences of those decisions. But even in our rebellion, God is always close. He is still nearby, always working, ready to bring us back. He loves to forgive. He loves to bring us back to him. So think about some of those influences in your life. Uh, make sure you're getting time with, with the right people. And most importantly, make sure you're hearing and embracing the truth of God for your life. Well, final part of the story. Uh, this is the face-off, uh, David and Goliath. And, and so picture it with me, if you would. Uh, David and Goliath come down into this valley together, and the valley quickly transforms into a stadium of sorts uh, with men on, on both sides of, of the battle lines. And, and the space in between becomes center stage. Uh, as David walks up to Goliath, as he approaches this man with armor designed for a 10-foot-tall guy, again, a warrior among the warriors, here's the man that's caused all the fear in Israel, and then we've got a young teenage boy in David, and in verse 43, uh, um, what's his name, Goliath, yeah, he said to David, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods, come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. I mean, Goliath's not impressed. I mean, he's not the least a bit intimidated, and I mean, come on, it's David. I mean, if I'm him, he's got every reason to turn around, drop off the care package, and let his brothers deal with this problem, but not David. I mean, what we see is at the height of this face-to-face -face encounter, it's really where we learn the next step, and probably the most important in our strategy when it comes to facing personal giants. And we've got to learn to do what David did. And what I want you to see is that David's focus was on God. And as you prepare to take on your Goliath, as you prepare to take on the giant in your life, make sure your focus is first on God. And understand the weight and the importance of this, because when it comes to your giant, maybe the problem is that we spend way too much energy focused on our giant 
rather than focusing all of our energy on our God and who he is. Because David's got no armor. And he's standing out on this field face to face or at least face to kneecap, you know, with, with Goliath. And he's got no armor. He's got no shield. All he's got is a slingshot. And if I'm standing in the crowd watching, I'm like, there's no way. I mean, he can't. David, David can't do this. I mean, you know, just think any of the men on both sides are probably thinking, I mean, th- there is no way he can't. I mean, his brothers are embarrassed. They're a little humiliated, thinking, I'm, what an idiot. I mean, who does our brother think he is? I mean, what's he trying to do? He can't. He's got no chance. And, and Goliath's thinking the same thing, too, looking down on David, thinking, this, what a joke. I mean, this isn't even worth my time. He can't. And that's just what happens to so many of us when it comes to the giants we go up against in our lives that we feel so overwhelmed and we can think of every reason why we can't, why we can't win. I mean, we're like, I I can't. I mean, look at my marriage. Look at this giant in my life right now. It's not worth a fight anymore. Or I'm so far in debt, I've got no one else to blame. I mean, I can't. I just just give up. This is the way it's going to be. Or I've messed up once in my marriage, but now a second time? I can't, we can't get through this. Or I've been to counseling groups and I've been to support groups over and over again and they help for a while, but only to be defeated again. It's not worth it. The addiction is too great. I can't. And what's the common problem in each of those? It's focus misplaced. We've got our focus on the wrong things. I mean, we spend way too much energy focusing on our Goliath. And and when you compare yourselves to your Goliath or your giant in your life and when all you see is the giant... Well, when all you see is the giant, you're probably right. You don't have that strength on your own to overcome a giant like that. But that's why it's so important to see what David sees. Because David's, you know, David understood what mattered. And and for David, it's not about a giant. It's not even about a slingshot and a well-placed stone. David's focus wasn't on the giant. All of his focus and attention was on God. Look at these fighting words in uh, verse 45. It says, David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. And then here's the key, verse 46. He says, this day the Lord will deliver you. David's just acknowledging, hey, I'm not going to take you down, but my God will. Because he is more than capable of doing this. He is greater than anything I could ever imagine. And I will take you down and I'll strike you down and I'll cut off your head. And this very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. Hey, if you've got a Goliath, if you've got a giant in your life right now that you think you will never overcome, your problem is that you're probably spending way too much time focused on your giant and not enough time focused on our God. And who is this God of ours? Well, it's like David says, he is the Lord Almighty, and he is greater than anything you and I could ever imagine. And if you will trust him, and if you will embrace his truth for your life and get all of your focus on him, he is more than capable of overcoming any giant that stands before you today. Let's pray. God, right now, we just come to you and we ask, Lord, that you would be our strength and that you, God, would give us the confidence 
of knowing that this battle of ours belongs to you. And with every head bowed and every eye closed right now, as we pray, I I just want to ask you, what's the Goliath in your life today? What's that giant for you? And maybe you've been hearing the lies and, and believing them in your life. And if so, I just pray today that you will know the truth and the truth of Jesus Christ will set you free. God, I pray, will you help us to know this truth? Help us to embrace the truth, to apply the truth. And for those here today, God, who are uh, feeling lonely, defeated, all alone in this, God, would you just surround them with the right influences? Brothers and sisters in Christ that can help them along their way, but with the truth of God that can set us free. I just think of those words of David right now. I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. Maybe just take a moment and pray that prayer for yourself right now. And receive that truth. Receive that strength for your life today. I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. If you're having trouble receiving that faith today, ask God for that faith. Just say, God, I need the faith. I need the faith to believe. I need the faith to trust you with my financial situation, my my marriage, my past, my future, my purpose and significance. Just pray, God, I need the faith. Pray for wisdom. Ask God for clarity. Ask Him to show you the way. He will never leave you or forsake you. You know, as Paul says in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. The Bible says in Proverbs, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. Just receive those truths in your life today. Allow them to change you and to give you hope and faith for today and tomorrow. You know, as we continue praying right now, I just want to talk to those of you that don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And I know that for some of you today that maybe you're just feeling this hopelessness as it revolves around the question of life and what's this life all about and and even the possibility of having a relationship with God. And if you've thought that, if you're thinking that, if that's where you are right now, I mean, the the truth is that there's a Goliath that we all face and we can't defeat it on our own and it's the giant of sin. Sin separates us from God. It keeps us from God. It keeps us, it prevents us from having that relationship with Him. And that relationship with God is what we're created for. And so if you've longed for that in your life, where you're just beginning to sense and respond to what God wants for you, And the powerful news, the powerful truth is that it's why he sent his son Jesus. He sent his son Jesus to the cross to die so that we could have that relationship with him to defeat sin once and for all. And maybe that's part of the reason why you're here today is to know that truth, 
and to embrace that truth so that that truth can set you free. And so I want to ask you, is now the time right now to surrender your life to Jesus, to invite him into your heart, to receive his forgiveness so that he might change you forever. And as we pray, if that's where you are right now, I just want to invite you to pray this prayer with me. You can pray it silently. You can pray it in your heart. You can pray it out loud if you want to. But if you need to invite Jesus into your life today, just pray this prayer with me. Jesus, I come to you. I'm a sinner and I need you in my life. Forgive me of my sin. Take down that giant of my past and make me a new person today. I commit my life to you today. God, we thank you. We thank you for the truth that when we cry out to you that you are there and that you listen and that you're ready to respond. And I I pray for those that are offering up prayers of faith today that you can be the one to help us overcome our giants. And we also celebrate, Lord, we give thanks to you today for all those who maybe prayed a prayer to invite Jesus Christ to be their Lord and Savior. And we know that you celebrate in heaven right now with the thought of one person coming home to be with you. God, we thank you. We thank you for life change. We thank you for the promises of Jesus Christ and the life that you've called us to as your people and as your church. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, I want to invite you uh, to stand with us as we kind of continue in this attitude of prayer and praise uh, with these songs. And, uh, yeah. I realized after the last service that I didn't tell the rest of the story. Like, Goliath lost, you know. I mean, he, he came tumbling down and... Um, And God can do the very same thing in your life with your giant if all of your focus and all of your trust will be on him. And as the whole world knew that this God of David's took down Goliath, wow, with your life, uh, the whole world can know and look to you too and go, wow, their God, his God, her God, boy, is something special. And uh, so be encouraged today. Hey, we're going to have some people up front. We'd love to talk and pray with you uh, before you go if you need that time. Uh, If you're kind of wondering about where to go from here and maybe some next steps uh, in your walk with Jesus, uh, we've got a kit called the Next Steps Kit back at the Info Hub uh, that you can pick up on your way out, and hopefully it will help you with those next steps. Uh, Otherwise, thanks for being here with us today. Uh, We'll look forward to seeing you next time next week.